To fuck around is human. To find out is divine. This is the I Refuse Podcast. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, you lovely people. How are you? Shut the fuck up. Welcome back to the I Refuse Podcast. I am Mr. Fox, a.k.a. Take It or Leave It, a.k.a. John Ham's Athletic Supporter. Hope you've had a great weekend. Mine was chill, mine was low-key. Was hoping to come into this episode with a very special guest, but she is not feeling well today on the day of production. But the show must go on. This is your first time coming to the I Refuse podcast. Welcome. If you've heard about us through word of mouth, we very much appreciate it. We've been around for about five seasons now on the Apple Podcast, Spotify, Overcast, and as well as five other streaming platforms. And we are forever grateful and gracious. We are a hot mess. We are informative. We are entertaining. We are off the cuff over here. You just never know what you're going to get with each episode. And I stand ten toes down with that. So... Without further ado, let's get into a couple of things. First things first. Still off the heels of watching the Thriller 40th Anniversary documentary on Paramount+. Plus. Go check that out. Roughly an hour and a half, two hours of revisiting reverence and celebration and legacy and impact of Michael Jackson's Thriller album which is not his sophomore album. Off the Wall is not his debut album. You get into the behind the scenes of the making of the songs and you have up close interviews with key players into the background production, the contributions to the songs, aligned with archival video footage of certain studio sessions and the path for Thriller, not only the album, but the song and the music video, which by that point, probably about four or five singles in, MTV was giving him and his label and his staff a hard time about playing his music videos and his songs on MTV. It wasn't until we got to Thriller, which by that point, it was clear, even after Billie Jean, after Beat It, after Human Nature, after PYT, Want to Be Starting Something, The Girl Is Mine. Once you got to that music video for Thriller is when the album itself went from Standard fair to untouchable, a fact that still remains to to this day. So coming off of the heels of watching that documentary, I found myself going down a TikTok rabbit hole and revisiting a conversation, a long-standing <laughs> conversation I've had with the Abstract Sagittarius, 
my co-host over on The Usual Suspects, a conversation that started about 12 or so years ago. Actually, it started around the day that Michael Jackson passed away. I was on TikTok recently, (laughs) and a live performance Michael Jackson did on his bad tour of Beat It. It's a very, very small clip where he kind of, when he starts to run out of breath, it's clear when he starts to run the words together. Along with the conversation around the Dangerous album, where Michael Jackson went from singing and vocalizing to, in a way, kind of rapping and and rolling through the words. Abstract swears to God on the jam song. The last couple of lines before you get to the chorus, she swears he says, ain't you a basketball player? And I was like, I don't think when I was eight or nine years old and that album and that song came out, that that was the case. But when you play it back at my big age, you realize I can see that. And... That's aside from the fact that we have Michael Jordan in the music video, where clearly you are not a basketball player. So, it, there I was, recently, <clears throat> in bed, going down a rabbit hole, and lo and behold, what pops up on my For You page is this clip. The lyric in Beat It goes, You really got to show them that you're really not scared. You playing with your life. This ain't no truth or dare. But in the live version, Michael Jackson, by the time he gets to that last line, it's truth or dare. When I tell you I screamed, I screeched. I screeched so loud in my bed. 9.30, 10pm at night. MJ Michael Joseph Jackson was a vocal menace from his late filler, early bad album era through his history, Blood on the Dance Floor era. And we can get into a whole nother conversation about how he was really out here sick of our shit. And he's still pressed on. So, moving on. Nicki Minaj, after much delay, has released Pink Friday 2 this past Friday. And I'm not even going to lie. Because that's not even what I do over here at the RFUs podcast. But upon first listen, 
I was like, okay, this heifer is singing again. Barely made it through the first song, Are You Gone Already? Because I'm like, oh, God, we're doing this. Okay, I was like, okay. By the time she got to Billie Eilish's part, which was essentially, I believe, a sample, courtesy of her brother Phineas, who produced it. I was like, okay. We're singing again. We're being pillowy soft. We're being all sad. Not what I had in mind for an album opener. I was like, okay. Hang on in there. You know, by the time we got to the halfway through the song, I was thinking about what I wanted for lunch. I was thinking about what I wanted to do for the rest of my day. And it started to really become background music from the gate. I was like, okay, okay, okay. Let's let's just hang in there for a little bit. Got to Barbie Dangerous. I was like, all right, a little bit more traction. I can get with that. But I was also on the Bird app. Down on the Bird app. You know, Lou Cipher over at the Hell is Around the Corner podcast. Now, I don't take many people's word as gospel or as truth or anything. But there is a layer of truth to every one of his tweets and realness to it which is rare in a world of actors and performers by the time i got to barbie dangerous he made a tweet highlighting a song on the album that nikki does with lil uzi vert and how this song is the one and he's played it and run it back like 10 different times throughout the day i was like okay So I was just about to get to track three, FTCU, but then I went all the way to everybody and I was like, okay, this, this jumps. That's, that's definitely a keeper. And then I kind of bounced for a little bit. I reconnected with abstract through text and she was just over the album all entirely. And the general consensus from the Bird app was that it's just way too much singing. And I was like, okay, I'm going to put this down for a little bit, but not without delivering two tweets from our podcast Twitter page saying, this is your queen of rap. Usually when we have rap in our moniker or rap on our job application or rap in our job title, It's assumed that there will be rapping. My frustration, and I am not a member of the the Barbs or whatever y'all call yourselves this week. I tried. I really tried to hang in there well after I knew what the name of the game was. That... Yes, I know that she has to appeal 
to the pop audience, which runs the sales and the figures and stuff up. And, you know, that comes with a, a white singer voice and some melodic stuff and a sound and a track listing that is worlds away from what rap and hip-hop is. What I have always thought it to be. And that's not to say that I'm closed off to what the sounds are today, but there's still a a rap sensibility to what Tyler does, what Earl Sweatshirt does, what, dare I say, Post Malone does sometimes. And I'm like, I tried to hang in there and I'm just like, it's just too much singing. And that's not to say that I don't like Nicki's music, because there are about a good nine or ten songs I can get with. And no surprise, most of those songs she's rapping her ass off. I just wish there was more of a balance. She has roughly what? 20 some odd songs on Pink Friday too. And there's probably a good five or six on here where it's just like, okay, we're, we're getting a little bit reminiscent of like mixtape Nikki or Young Money Compilation Nikki. And again, I go into this understanding that she has to play into the ears of middle and upper white class kids who want the aesthetic and the sound of a rapper, but not so much the dangerous aspect or the violent or hostile aspect of it. Notwithstanding that, I understand that Nicki Minaj has a genius approach to her music, and she has this thing about her that justifies why she is as popular as she is. So, I came back to the album later. After essentially kind of dogging it a little bit, I'm like, one hour poo. Oh, it's way too much singing. Um, way too much low tempo stuff. It's not thumping enough for me. Right? Not very cohesive. I feel like it's one of those albums that if you put it on shuffle, you may actually get a better order of songs, right? So I went back after realizing that they were saying word on the street that FTCU is shots at Megan, shots at Doja. I was like, okay, fresh off the heels of an episode we did a while back, reviewing partisans, her ex-boyfriends. Uh, I guess this track, talk, 
talking about he's referring to Megan the person not Megan the stallion I was like oh we're, we're dissing some of the girls let me um go back now look while Mr. Fox does does not aim to be part of the drama that doesn't mean he doesn't listen to it so I ran it back I started from the first track finally got to FTCU I was like I can kind of see it I can kind of see it saying your Tory Lanes, you know it's a very sensitive subject about you know when it when it comes to Megan's protectors about the Tory Lane shooting but the funny thing about Stan culture and fandom is how convenient people come to look past something, not acknowledge it, twist it to try to justify it, downplay it. Like, that's, let's not pretend that the shots don't come from the other person either. But anyway, FTCU is a keeper along with Barbie Dangerous, Beep Beep, I can take it or leave, um, Falling For You, meh, now let me calm down, alright, which by the way, Are You Gone Already is, I believe, a tribute song in a way to her father who recently passed away, Papa Bear, her son, is on the track, Let Me Calm Down is Nikki's frustrations with her husband. I don't know if it's a street code thing that's kind of keeping her with this man. Like, when it comes to that that perpetrator over there. And you've been playing in our faces about it. Like, you really tried to act like y'all were living poorly. But... You're 67 million single soul. Anyway. Another dynamite contribution by J. Cole. I don't know what has been going on this year when it comes to. There's something about J. Cole that just brings the best out of other rappers. Like, when I got to Drake's last two albums, I realized that the rest of the, the albums, the rest of the material in the albums can, I can take it or leave it. But when it comes to, what was it, uh, First Person Shooter, Drake was actually rapping, rapping, and actually talking about something, and was actually pretty damn witty. And then I realized, oh, that's because J. Cole's on the song. And then when he released the EP attachment, and J. Cole was on another song, I was like, the collaboration album really should have been Drake and J. Cole. No disrespect to 21 Savage. But there's something about J. Cole that's really bringing out the best in people. And let me calm down. When you want to talk about the kind of material 
Like, give me some material that's a reflection of real life. Like, show us some vulnerable shit that's not set to a piano. Give me some vulnerable shit to some grimy gutter beats. Then I'll listen. Let me calm down as a keeper. R&B, I can take it or leave. Um... But I will give credit to Lil Wayne. He's been rapping like he's well and sober these days. Truly appreciate that. Pink birthday, uh, I can take or leave. Needle, that's a keeper. You know, I always love when Drake and Nicki Minaj get together. A lot of people on the Bird app are going up for Cowgirl with Lourdes, who I've never heard of before. Everybody is definitely a keeper. Big difference, there is tussling on the timeline as to what should be the next single or a future single. A lot of people are going up for big difference, and other people are throwing themselves out the window over everybody, and I'm like, everybody... Has already got the Roblox treatment. So everybody should be the next single. It should be the next music video. And that should keep the momentum going for the next month or so. You know, the word on the street is that this album is on its way to selling somewhere between 300,000 and 500,000 the first week. We'll see. Red Ruby to Sleeves, we already know. Four from Trini. Alright, so by the time we got down to Four from Trini, Prank Friday Girls, Bam Bam, My Life, Super Free Girl, I was like, okay. <clears throat> this is the point where you can kind of shave the album down. Like, I don't know who put it in their head to do 22 songs when, you know, we struggled with the Queen album. And one of the reasons why we struggled was because the track listing was so goddamn long. Like, I wish you hip-hop people in R&B and rap and all that and pop and all that shit, keep it to like 16 songs. And you can release bonus songs later on after the initial run of the album I gave Nikki a pass with Pink Friday now that was the al- that's the album to beat didn't really pay too much attention to Queen could take it or leave Roman Reloaded and um, the, the Pink Friday album but the Pink Print that was that was definitely something to beat. But anyway, Bam Bam, My Life, Nicki Hendrix. I was like, you can probably cut probably like four or five of these these songs in this list. Blessings. That could have been or should have been the very last song on the album. Because who doesn't like to end an album with a gospel bridge, gospel chorus? gospel singer gospel feature cute last time i saw you roman in malibu i was like okay okay so 
it's not necessarily a bad album. It's just probably not for me. But I'm 41. You know, I grew up in the Foxy Brown, Lil' Kim era. Which, by the way, justice for Foxy Brown. Word on the curb is that she is working on a comeback in a major way. Hope that's true. Hope the hearing loss isn't hasn't regressed to a point that she can't do anything. Because y'all been talking down on her. Or not discussing her enough. So anyway, Pink Friday 2, I would probably give a 6 or a 7 out of 10. Not bad, but didn't blow my wig back. But another consensus is that once you play the album a, f- a few more times, you start to play a bit more, you start to enjoy it. I don't know when we got to that point in the real world, but it's like, if we got to play an album four or five times to get into it, it's probably not for us. You know, I was kind of hoping, while I'm not a barb, and I'm not the biggest Nicki Minaj fan. I can still give her her flowers and give her credit. Um, A, to be the biggest selling female rap artist. Um, two, to finally get some number ones. To be a consistent seller. 10 plus years into your career. Despite the controversy. Despite the dark cloud that has been looming over you. And more importantly your husband. What he's brought into your life. And the the gaslighting and the mind games. That has come out of that corner. The past couple of years. The social media stuff. The social media gangster thing. Coming at Offset. Talking about your roll up on his kids. When you know you can't be around kids. You can't even be in a school zone. And. You know. We here at the RFU's podcast will never forget his accuser which at this point and I'm saying ten toes down with this is a victim of his and I'm a firm believer that for something to be true two things have to happen the allegation and the response that confirms Like, not new to the media circus or the the spotlight that is given or sh- shined on women with allegations. Like, you look at Gloria Allred and you think, hey, well, here's a woman that's on a mission. Like, we know the media will give 
anybody the time of day with the story, right? And you're like, you're sitting there watching. You're like, okay, okay, all right. But for it to be true is when people respond to it. Like, I'm a very old school firm believer that a hit dog will holler. Now, you may not have necessarily come out on 2020 or Diane Sawyer, Nikki and your your husband, and responded to it. But you've said and made posts on social media trying to downplay it. They were in a relationship and yada, 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 yada. And it's like, girl. And then on the heels of the suit or the, the, um, the allegation gaining traction, like to the point that there was some legal action about to happen. You go on social media and play in our faces trying to present yourself and your husband that you guys are indeed poor. Wearing regular clothes, having a dusty wig, having your hair unkept. In what looks to be the storage basement of a New York City apartment building. You know, they got those painted concrete white walls looking very much like a jail building you're going out of your way dedicating all this energy to try to convince us that you cannot afford this this problem like we don't have millions of dollars that she wants to get from us. We're poor. And we're like, girl, not you playing poor after convincing us on record that you're the highest selling female rap artist for the record. 65 million singles sold. Not this. Not 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 the gaslighting. Not the mind games. Like, really? But I'm just saying, like we never, we never forget anything over here at the IRFuse podcast. The album may sell well and be very decent. It's not cohesive, in my opinion. It's not. It doesn't blow my socks off. Those of us of the golden era of hip hop are like, how many times is this girl going to keep telling us? That these girls are her sons and they're at the kitty table and she's at the adult table and <sighs> I don't think any amount of pop sensibility and tongue in cheek references takes away or is enough to distract us from some of the the weak points you know you still at the as somebody that comes up in the freestyle the mixtape tape era of hip hop 
you still kind of have to be true to the game, right? Like, you still have to have that hip-hop spirit. And, you know, there's something that happens, and this is coming from a hip-hop consumer all of my life. There's something that happens when, let's say, a Jay-Z or a Nicki Minaj, when they get in a certain number of rooms with the elite and their value and their stock goes up. They're years and years removed from the the place they, they once lived. And it starts to show in their music. Like, you don't... We, we get that you... You kind of have to grow up a little bit. But when it becomes clear that... We are in two separate worlds. And yes, we've contributed to that by selling... Or buying your albums. It's like... Ugh. You kind of lose some of us in in the sauce. Just a thought. Now listen, 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 listen. I will be the first to say that I am not in any means a psychic but my tuning fork, my intuition has never led me wrong. So hopefully you've been a loyal follower, viewer, subscriber to the I Refuse podcast. Whether it's here on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, Or it's the YouTube channel where we tend to go back and forth with content the thread is not on just one side sometimes of the podcast sometimes it's on both sides so if you've been to the youtube channel the past two weeks you will see that there is a series There's like two videos labeled Surviving Diddy. The first part is on the YouTube channel. Part two is an episode on this side of the podcast. Part three is on the YouTube channel. Then we did another part on this side of the podcast where we revisited Puffy's relationship with J-Lo. Thus, unpacking a lot of memories that we experienced in real time when J-Lo had just released her second album, of which Puffy, I believe, was a producer on the album. They were dating. And all of the, the tea that came out of that later on in life. During the production through that multi-part series of the I Refuse podcast. 
We not only talked about in great detail on the I Refuse podcast and the Usual Suspects podcast, the Abuse Survivors Act that inspired Cassie Ventura to file a civil suit against Puffy, P. Diddy, Diddy, Love, or whatever, which they amicably, and I'm putting that in air quotes, settled literally less than 24 hours after the news broke that she filed. We went into great detail about what the act is, the duration of it, when it's set to expire. But during that production of the three-part series, we also made a prediction as to who will start making a greater presence in our in our hemisphere once it expires. I even came back to the podcast, definitely on the YouTube channel, and played a game of charades by way of a blind item as to who I was referring to. And and trust and believe the act has definitely pulled the rug off of several actors, R&B singers, um, record executives. But this one person has managed to evade and not only leave the country, but live in another country peacefully, unbothered, has managed to keep a presence in the lives of his wife and children in a very abusive way, unfortunately. The wife and the children for the longest time have not spoken out as to why he is over in this country. But a lot of us over here who have been paying attention to the timeline, who have watched documentaries, interviewing women that have been victims of this man, deals that have fallen apart, Opportunities that have not come to fruition by way of Oprah Winfrey because of sad allegations have come out about this man who even with his ex now ex-wife who is, was a model significantly younger than he is at least 30 years. And stuff has come out. People have done their research about that relationship. How he essentially preyed upon her when she was underage and she was modeling. And how he has a penchant for barely legal models. Something that has been a reality, allegedly, for much of the 90s into the 2000s, something that has been allegedly a thing since the late 80s. 
And just like with Puffy, this person also, there is 7, 10, 15, 20 degrees of separation of music, movies, lifestyle, branding, marketing, fashion design that has fed and thrived for most of my life. All paths ultimately lead back to this person, just like a lot of music, marketing, branding, similar stuff has led back to Puffy. So, that being said, there are, things go deep. Thing, there are multiple layers and levels to this situation. So, I'm not going to give up the name of the person. You have to watch the content, listen to the episodes, and figure out who I'm talking about. I'm dedicating this segment of the episode to confirm what I have theorized was going to happen is actually happening. I was on Instagram. So he had been terrorizing like his, his daughters have come out a couple months ago sharing content messages that show this man in a threatening way and footage of him yelling at one of his daughters over a FaceTime call. Of course, the audio is muted, but clearly you can see this man is yelling because his face is mostly mouth. What he's yelling about, I don't know because the audio is muted, but it's it got to a point to where his ex-wife came on social media did a uh, live or whatever in tears talking about her ex-husband then not even a week after the act expired in November last month I was on IG and this man is in commercials, product ads about the promoting the the um what do you call them damn them them chambers or something those uh those cold air chambers that the athletes use to recover. I didn't play the whole thing, so I don't know which degree it was, or, but I just knew he walked out of what looked to be a chamber of some kind with no shirt on, and I'm like, okay, I gotta go. So, here it is, the middle of December 2023, we're fast forwarding, and this man is being interviewed, claiming some things against his wife and his ex-wife sorry and I'm going to play it for you and I'm pretty sure the sound of the man's voice is probably going to give give it away as to what I'm talking about but here he is sitting with Graham 
best singer claiming something. Listen. There's a lawsuit. I have no choice. I think Jesus Christ, Muhammad, Lord Buddha, anybody would have sued. What? It's a lot of money, and it can help a lot of people. She gave what is now, today, based on the stock, $800 million to the government illegally. And now I'm fighting to get my half of it back. And it was, in, you know, in support of Tim, who, as you know, is a convicted criminal. And they stole, I think it was 6 to $8 billion from the Malaysian people. Um, and his bail was my stock, which had no right to be. Kimura alleges that you didn't use any of your own money to buy the stock. You didn't use. Oh yeah, any not alleges. Tim paid for own, stock. Own Tim, money to Tim the stock. invest in her investment company. Uh, my company. Tim put money in my company, and we bought the stock. It's obvious the government will figure that out. It was mine. I found the company. I built the company. I reformulated the drink. I got LeBron and Colby and Kim Kardashian and Puffy and everybody to promote it. It was nothing. And now it's worth $16 billion, right? And I was part of that process. In fact, it would never have existed if not for me. That's a fact. You see. So as you can clearly hear from the clip, this interview is being held outside in the peaceful, serene environment in the country where he's been. For the past almost 10 years. And if you've come back to this segment after watching or listening to previous episodes. You'll be able to connect the dots to understand why he's over there. And more importantly... Why even after saying all of this about the ex-wife, he will not ever step foot back in the country to collect any money or see to it that the lawsuit moves forward to support these claims. Just saying. So, this man will continue to pop up in interviews, pop up in promo ads, all of which I believe, ten toes down, that he is getting paid. Still being, you know, paid, which keeps up his sustainability of life in a country that probably has no extradition order. If and when these victims go to file charges, have evidence, he will remain over there probably until his last breath. And I really wish, in response to this, his ex-wife and his kids really give us some real tea, file charges, criminal charges, file a civil suit. 
Because at some point, women must say to themselves, they have to be open and willing to take people down to save themselves and to save their children. Because this, this man at this point, after raising hell for who knows how long, terrorizing you and your children, he is running your name through the mud. Making some very character assassination allegations about you and the guy, the last guy you were with, saying he's a criminal, and that you're using his the value of the company to bail this man out. Kamora, if you're listening, sound the fire, fire with fire. You gotta, sometimes women, you just gotta make an executive decision to take down some people to save you and your children. So, before I get up out of here, we have a couple of things to say. You know, the name of this episode is called The Caged Bird Sings. And this is one of the major reasons why we named this episode that <sighs> to Tamar Braxton yes the youngest of the Braxton dynasty out of S- Serena Park, Maryland we would like you to come to the front you are a Grammy nominee Please stop going back and forth, arguing, provoking, instigating with Zeus baddies, hip-hop reality stars. Really trying to Really trying to keep it focused on just the music, right? We here at the RFUs podcast are somewhat of a fan of Tamar Braxton. You know, the Love and War album. What a time that was. When that rollout was happening in real time. That's all we talked about down at the good federal government job that we had at the time. And however you play value. Still to this day, right? So, you know, she since has put out, I think, two or three more albums, including a Christmas album, which all all but one song was a Christmas song. She's on her Love and War 10th anniversary tour, which has had several hiccups. And she's not the best when it comes to social media presence. She's definitely one of those types that has to respond to everything 
is sensitive about opinions is on live way too many times. But anyway, latest hiccup. So if you were living under a rock, if your cable remote, your DVR remote, your on-demand remote didn't come with a rewind button or a pause button, you missed this time where she, Tamar Braxton, along with Evelyn Lozada and Nivea, who, by the way, Nivea has been looking really good, and she's out here doing live shows, performing songs off of her debut album. Anyway, the three of them had a, a reality dating show. It was, it was very brief. I think it was on WeTV. I don't remember. We're not on cable that much, you know, since it's so high. Uh, I didn't watch. But essentially, it was another one of those dating reality shows. And just like previous dating reality shows, it was just for the show. No, not too long after the show ended, not even six months after the last episode, Evelyn and the guy that she chose broke up and she went back to basketball wise or whatever. And I realized, yeah, they always break up when the contract ends. That's not new. Anyway, Tamar ended up with this white man from the show. And I only knew that because those are the reports. This white man who looks like You'd imagine a white guy that tends to black females will look like. They say he was a lawyer or a publicist or something like that. I was like, okay. Okay. Now, as somebody that has... That was a regular viewer of the Braxton Family Values. We know that for the majority of her public life... As long as she's been a name. Most of that time she was married to Vincent Herbert. Man had signed whatever Lady Gaga songwriter for many, many years alongside LaShawn Daniels. Rest in peace to him. He passed away in a car accident. Um, they They were on their own show at some point. Once Vincent lost a lot of weight, things went entirely left. They separated, got divorced. They had a son, not in that order. She goes back to Braxton Family Values. She pops up with this new dude that totally did not look like her type. But I guess she wanted to convince us that this was real. Things with the sisters became worse. She started to act out more. Even after they were on Fix My Life. Her and this dude are not together anymore. Come to find out he was just using her. 
whatever, whatever, whatever. She has a reality show, pops up with this white guy. Again, all this stuff with this white guy plays out in social media. For the last four or five months, we hear so much about the two of them. It's like, damn, are we there? Now, it's hazy for me, not really paying that much attention to this shit. They broke up. He is, I guess, courtside or uh, sideline at the football game or whatever with Tommy from Love and Hip Hop. That upsets Tamar. She goes to social media, is on live while waiting for her wings. And before you know it, he pops up saying that, oh, they're back together because she fought for him. Okay. So here's where I come in. Those of us who have women in our family, cousins, aunties, daughters, blah, 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 have witnessed many of things, just more so the emotional damage and the mental damage that is being done to the you know females in our family when a man who has no problem disrespecting you publicly then turns around and says oh we're i'm back together with my girl or whatever because she fought for me we unpack that And we realize that after presenting yourself like you were the one, the the lady that broke it off, and he comes back later and says, oh, well, we're back together because she fought for me. It undoes that first part and tells us that after you saw this man with this woman all over social media, you go on live and you have a full meltdown while waiting for your wings, that you went back to grovel at this man's feet. Because you need a man. And the the dangerous part of this is that this man can play you. This man has you wrapped around your finger. And you're the household name. 
you're Tamar Braxton. You have a recording career. You are the younger sister of Tony Braxton. And you have this white man on your coattails. And not just any white man. Like, he's not a stockbroker. He is not... He's just not equitable. But on top of that, you are holding on to this man. You're going to make it work. I ask, what is the end game for women in these situations? Because like I said, this isn't just any white man. This is a white man with six different children by five different women. One of which has come out the woodworks and clearly you can tell that this man has a type. To kind of trash him a little bit. And it's these kind of situations that bring to mind what Lou Cipher said, has been saying for a while now, that men are the prize. And when we say men are the prize, that's the answer to situations like these where women have low self-esteem. And it's very evident when they put on these performative pieces. Like they go on social media and go on live and either have an emotional meltdown that says, we miss this dude. I can't go on without this dude. Or the flip side of that, women go on social media, TikTok, and do these videos where they're in the driver's side of their car, the passenger side of their car, giving us a story time that we didn't ask for. About times that other women are in their husbands or boyfriends' DMs trying to shoot their shot. And while they're giving us a story time, they are combing or brushing their hair very violently as they get overwhelmed with emotion telling the story. The story time essentially turns into a message to women out there to not come at my husband or my boyfriend. The man is married. And here's the thing for some of us out here with the third eye, with critical thinking skills. The emotion behind the tone and what you're saying says a lot more than you are aware. It tells us that this man has cheated on you before. Ask for forgiveness. 
on your turnaround and keep doing it. You're fed up, but you won't leave. And this is where we are, and this is why you're doing what you're doing. Like, this isn't your first video. This isn't your first response piece. You are doing these on a regular basis. To prove some point or prove to yourself or convince yourself that, oh, this is my man. And you bitches need to stay out of his DMs. Because here's the thing. The more she talks, the more that women talk about these dudes, you know, the emotion takes the front seat. And before you know it, it becomes a stream of consciousness kind of thing where it's like the more emotional they get, the more information just slips out and the more details you get that kind of turns the the thinking for the audience. It's like, okay, women are approaching him in his DMs. Why are you so mad about it? Oh, okay. We get it. We, we get it. Those of us out here are like, okay, this, this is how it starts. And before you know it, he's out later. He's coming home later. And you have a tone of fed up woman in your speech while you are combing and brushing your hair into, I think, a ponytail. Like you're going to go out and fight these women. So when we say men are the prize, this is what we mean. And I've said on the Average podcast here and there that while there are women out here that are not like these women who make who make their presence or their stock go up on social media as a personality that aims to bash men and rightfully so because men are trash stone cold menace I wish there were more women like this who meet women hating men where they are matches their energy and takes us along on the ride need more of that To inspire women like this, who, even when they're a household name, they just need a dude. Even if it's a dude that's possibly on child support for five, six children, most likely. And those of us that have been outside since day one know that dating usually leads to marriage. 
And if he marries you, guess who is most likely going to be on tap to support these six kids? And the child support will go up even more. Just saying. Like, men are truly the prize. Like, the red carpet is rolled out. You get to be in rooms and meet executives and meet big-name people you otherwise wouldn't have met had you not got with Tamar. Tamar the Braxton. And trust and believe he, if he so uses that to his advantage, he's well within his right to do so because she needs she needs a man. And all he has to do is provide dick. Oh, and possibly sound like John B. I've never heard a speaking voice. I, my only wish is that he, he gets proper hair uh, placement Um, because this current situation is just not giving what it's supposed to give. Anyway. We wish Tamar Braxton the best. I know this won't be the end of that saga. I just really want the bird and Tamar Braxton to really go away. I really want her to keep the bird caged. Like, we, we pay good money to come to these live shows. We do not need... Uh, Uh, hip-hop, reality TV response during a music show. Again, throwing women throwing themselves out the window. For dudes that otherwise just are there for the ride. Women, if you're listening to this podcast, please leave the desperation in 2023. Just just leave it there. Really, please just find some some know-how know-how about yourself. Please, please don't end up like Tamar Braxton. You know, the kind of woman that even with all the, the success and all of the accolades and all of the praise and the still somewhat decent standing in the industry, that you throw yourselves out the window over a dude with six different kids by five different women. To the point that you're going back and forth with a former Zeus baddie. So, 
someone who makes their money and their net worth off of being violent and being performative and showing up for the cameras and for anybody who will listen. Before I get up out of here, you know, Mr. Fox has a gripe. I've said on the I Refuse podcast hundreds of times. How I think the dating pool has led in it. The community pool must have fentanyl in it. I've said that a couple of times during Pride Month, one of the seasons of the podcast. I am so fed up with the universe right now for constantly sending me dudes that can't do anything or like not to what are we talking about here you can't host you don't drive but you like looking at my dick well keep looking at it Keep looking at the jerk-off videos. Because what are we doing here? You know, that's nice that you live near the metro. Hopefully you can find somebody that also lives by the metro can host. It's It's just wild to me. I couldn't imagine being an adult. And maybe that's because... You know, the only option for me, if I didn't have a car, was getting on Baltimore transportation. And I love Baltimore down, I do. But when I tell you that public transportation in a major city is not for the meek, not for the naive, I just I just don't get it. Like, you, you, you're just not, it's just not even for me. And I grew up on public transportation. But to be an adult, you pay rent, you pay money, you contribute, you work a 40-hour work week. To live in this house... With other people. And you say you can't host. Now. Maybe I'm on the slow bus. But I'd be damned. If. I'm paying my hard earned money. To live. Or. I guess rent. Or uh, stay in a space 
that I can't have people over? Like, it's that's wild to me. That's nothing you can tell me. It's just wild to me. Um, I mean, being an adult and not having a car. That's a whole nother conversation. Or just being um, an adult and saying no and using contractions a lot. It's like, why are you here? Like, at any point in the year, at any point, no matter the season, you think during the winter time, we're going to be like outdoors or in the car? No. Absolutely not. I just really want the universe to stop fucking with me. Um, No, when you're somebody, when you're the person pursuing me and you get to the point in the conversation where you're like, can't host, I'm already one foot out the conversation. And you don't drive. Yeah, there goes the other foot. I couldn't imagine. I just could not imagine. Like, what do you do with your life these days? I mean, you like riding the Metro, more power to you. That doesn't mean he's going to leave the house to actually get on the metro. I don't know. It's just very, very weird times. This is this is what we're doing. Anyway, it's Mr. Fox, the IFUs podcast. Uh, just thought I'd end the episode there. It's grown-ass men, man. It's just kind of frustrating. It's just... <laughs> this is Mr. Fox of the IFUs Podcast. This has been another great episode of the IFUs Podcast. Get into other episodes of Season 5 available wherever you get your podcast. As well as the previous four seasons of the I Refuse Podcast. Get into the usual suspects, the I Refuse Podcast After Dark, and our YouTube channel. Follow and subscribe to the I Refuse Podcast on Twitter at I Refuse Podcast, all one word. Instagram at I Refuse Podcast underscore between the words. And of course, the YouTube channel at I Refuse Podcast. And we will catch you guys later. Bye.